0: You are listening to the official podcast of Salem Tabernacle in Beacon, New York, a community of people devoted to experiencing life as God meant it to be. A reading from the second book of Kings, 2 Kings 2, 1-12. Now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, please stay here for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he said, Yes, I know it. Keep quiet. Elijah said to him, Elisha, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives, So the, two of we- so the two of them went on. Fifty men of the sons of the prophets also went and stood at some distance from them, as they both were standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his cloak and rolled it up and struck the water, and the water was parted to the one side and to the other till the two of them could go over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elijah, Elisha, ask Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, Please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And he said, You have asked a hard thing, yet if you see me as I am being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. And as they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. The word of the Lord.
1: Now, normally I would ask you to stand for the gospel reading, but I think there are a couple of ways that we can honor the stories about Jesus directly by standing. And I also think By bowing our heads, which I'd like you to do, and close your eyes, and I want you to hear, today is Transfiguration Sunday, it's the Sunday that we acknowledge that we join Peter, James, and John on the mountain and we see Jesus standing with Moses and Elijah and we don't know what's happening, but I want you to again hear the panic and the rush of the story, and after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say. For they were terrified. He said what he said because he didn't know what to say. Because he was terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them. And a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And suddenly looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. The word of the Lord. The theme for Lent this year is learning to be a non-anxious presence, both inwardly and what we exude when we walk into a room. We're, We're moving towards what it means to be the kind of person where you and I'm going to give a, an analogy about this in a moment, where you might be in a fast-paced life that you can't get out of because some of us are just in that. We're in that season or circumstances have fallen in a way where we don't have time to take a full Sabbath. We don't have time to get up in the morning. We don't have time. Some of us won't do those things. Some of us can't do those things. And everybody in the room knows the Holy Spirit wants to work in your life so that you can be honest with the difference between I can't and I won't. We say I can't very fast. We've been saying I can't since we were like one. Often what we mean is I won't. However, there are times where we can't, because adult life is complicated. But just because we can't slow down on the outside doesn't mean... That we have to live a hurried life on the inside. There's a way to move slow. I'm just going to say it now. Thank you, thank you for getting me to that point. I'm just going to say it now. Today we're going to hear a lot about Swifties. Everybody know what I'm talking about? It's rather annoying, but it's okay. I mean, I'm I'm a Taylor Swift fan. I'm not trying to knock. I know we're on the internet. Please freak out, but. I honestly, as I'm thinking about sermons for Sundays, I love steeping myself in pop culture. I don't talk a lot about it from the pulpit, but I know way too much about these things. And I just found it very interesting that everybody is obsessed in our country right now with this person whose last name is Swift, because I just don't think we all know how to settle down. And I thought it was rather ironic that while... People are stalking her jet to figure out if they can figure out who's going to win the Super Bowl because that's sane. Sometimes you just got to call conspiracy theories insane. It is my job to do it, so let me start. It's insane. And while people are literally getting indicted for tapping into the antenna on her jet, and life, Super Bowl, Jason Kelsey, Travis Kelsey, Tal- like all this stuff is moving so fast. Like I don't, It's like tonight there might be a game, but there's going to be all this other stuff. In Vegas. Because apparently what happens in Vegas no longer stays in Vegas, but it's all over your phone. While all this is spiraling fast and out of control, we'll say, swift, I don't know who saw the Grammys, but Luke Combs and Tracy Chapman performed Tracy Chapman's 1989 hit. What's it called? Now, what's interesting about that moment is the song is really slow. And before, after every verse of that song before the chorus, there's musical interlude the song called Fast Car doesn't rush through itself. It's very slow, and it pauses often. It pauses long enough for the audience to participate. And I just thought it was funny that there's like this idea of swift, and then there's this idea of fast. But just because your life is stuck in a fast-paced moment doesn't mean that you have to be fast paced on the inside. The song about Fast Car is a song that is slow and rhythmic and methodical and it takes its own time. It's not like songs that are popular now that just are three and a half minutes of nonstop wall to wall music and lyrics. And I feel like this is what the Lord wants. And I feel like God is funny and he's hilarious. I mean, how many here would say that you have a pretty good sense of humor? You laugh at my jokes, so you definitely have a good sense of humor. I know you do. And I think God sometimes uses things that he loves, like Taylor Swift, like Tracy Chapman, like the Grammys, like the Super Bowl, to point in hilarious ways things that we can learn, things that we can learn. As Pastor Mark Arstead used to say, read your Bible, have your Bible in the right hand, and have the newspaper in your left hand. They work together often because there's a way – When we think it's time to slow down, we think I can't because my life. But I don't think that's what the Bible is talking about when it says slow down first. I think the Bible is saying you don't have to be hurried even though you're in a hurry. You can face the fast-paced realities of your life slowly. You could be in a fast car and have that be a Sabbath for you because you're getting away from something damaging as the song goes. That's what Lent is about. Lent is about the disruption of your mental and emotional algorithms. You're in a groove right now whether you like it or not. You have habits right now whether you like it or not. Our goal as parents is not to teach our kids habits. It's to teach them good ones because they, they're habitual from the womb. We all have habits and Lent Is designed not to be a season of self will and effort and to succeed in fasts. It's a season to disrupt the groove, the flow of hurry on the inside and slow us down on the inside so we can be self reflective and so that we can make space for the spring of God to burst forth in our soul. Does that make sense? Richard Foster says it this way, the enemy majors in three things, noise, hurry, and crowds. Satan majors in three things, noise, hurry, and crowds. And I had a little trouble, I read this quote years and years and years ago, and I had a little trouble with the word crowds, because I'm like, you know, I, I, crowds are good, right? Like when people, when church is crowded, that's good. And the late Eugene Peterson said, the temptation is to be part of a crowd and not be part of a group. Crowds are just chaotic amounts of people that are not unified. Groups could be large amounts of people but they're unified. They're working in harmony together. There's going to be a crowd tonight at the Super Bowl. Why? Because the stadium will be a house divided against itself. 20% of the people will be rooting for one team. 20% of the people will be rooting for the other team. And 60% of the people will be rooting to make money off of all the bets that they placed. It's going to be a crowd, not a group. Not a group enemy majors in noise, hurry, and crowds. Elisha is in a panic. His, the, the normal part of his life, and I actually experienced this myself. This, those 12 verses are very near and dear to my heart because I actually experienced this in a very literal way when Pastor Mark was moving to Tulsa, Oklahoma. He had discipled me for 10 years up to that point. We had been close for probably 15, and his existence in my life was normative. It's how I handled issues. It's how I prepared to get married. It's how I prepared to fix my financial situation. It's how I prepared to learn to lead people and to and to be patient and kind, and I'm still trying really, really hard, and He's not done. We're repaired, but we're not healed. You know what I'm saying? And so it was normative to be like, "Oh, I'm going to call Mark. Oh, I'm going to call Mark. I'm going to call Mark. Oh, let's see what he has to say. Let's bring him into this situation." And then one day when he's like, "I'm leaving," there's this rush. There's this panic. There's this like, "What's going to happen now?" And oh, you're leaving, but now I'm going to be in charge. And it's like, hold on a minute. Like, but but what do I do when? And like all of a sudden, you're in a gray zone. You're in this, you're in between systems and you're stuck. And so I can appreciate, I can appreciate Elisha trying to stay as close to him as he can for as long as he could. And I can appreciate people saying, how do you feel that your master's leaving? And you're like, shut up. And you're like, I know he's leaving. I'm the first one he told before he told all of you. Did you know he's leaving? Did you know he's leaving? Stop. If I could call fire down from heaven, I would do it right now. I understand that rush when, when a normal part of your life is shifting and it used to be one way and it's becoming a different way, but you don't know what that difference is going to look like and you're in that gray zone and it feels nerve-wracking. And even if life is slow, you're still hurried on the inside. And even if it's fast, you're still a Swifty on the inside. It's just moving. It's moving. I appreciate the level of panic he's feeling. And I feel like all of us are feeling it for various reasons. But we're just trying to push past the opponents, push past the things standing in our way of just surviving. Like, I feel like we're all kind of in a place where we don't even have goals anymore. We just want to be alive at the end of the day. I just want to sleep for five minutes. Whether you got kids keeping you up or your own thoughts keeping you up, which cry as much as a child does in the middle of the night, We just want to get to this place where I could breathe. Peter, he sees Moses and Elijah like they're having a conversation with Jesus. They're talking about the Bible together. I would love to have a cup of coffee and listen to that conversation. And I would like to think I wouldn't have interrupted them. I definitely would have. I think we all know I definitely would have. And Peter's like, here's what we're going to do. Let's build tabernacles so that we can stay here and never have to leave. Because that's what we do when we're anxious. We either try to replicate the past like we talked about last week, or we try to build something small in the moment and say, I finally have a respite. I finally have a break. Can I just make this last? Like, you might be in a life where you never get to breathe, and then if you get to breathe for five minutes, the first thing the enemy does is tell you it's only going to be five minutes. Wouldn't it be nice if it was 15 and you start to despise the five minutes of break where an hour ago you were like, if I could just get five minutes, I'd be so happy. And then you get five minutes and you're like, if I could just get 15 minutes. But what, ha- what happens if Peter builds that tabernacle? First of all, it wouldn't be a tabernacle. It would be a stronghold. He'd be building something that can guard the rest of the world from taking this moment from him. And instead of being the church, instead of being the one who offers bread to the world, the church, he'd become the one that keeps the world from coming in because he wants his precious moment to last. He'd be in isolation. He'd never come down from the mountain. He would be, it would be him and Jesus, but they'd be all up on the mountain, Never down where the poor are, where the broken are, where the people are that need whatever's happening on that mountain, they need it brought down. When Jacob fell asleep, what did he see? He saw angels doing what? Ascending and descending, not just staying up there, but going up there and getting something and coming back. But if we if we erect these tabernacles to make a moment last because our life is stressful and we just want to make a moment last, we just want to chase that feeling, we'll end up climbing a mountain but then staying there and bringing no gift to others which means we are walking away from the christian life itself and you know what else would happen he would lose his view of himself because one of the reasons why jesus told peter not to build a tabernacle was because peter already was a tabernacle He already was a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Yes? Hear this. Somebody needs to hear this. Some of you are trying to build and erect what you already are, and whatever you build will not be as good as you are right now today. You're better than what you're trying to build to prove yourself. You're more valuable than what you're trying to build to prove yourself. There's so much more to you. You already have more of God than you could ever imagine having. You don't need to produce another thing to have him. He won't let you build a tabernacle because you already are one. Mistakes, dents, scars, sin, righteousness, and all, you are a tabernacle of the Holy Spirit now. You don't have to build. That's why Satan tried to get Jesus to make bread. Jesus, make what you already are. That's why he tried to get him to jump off the temple. Jump off what you already... That's why he tried to get him to worship kingdoms. Become what you already... It was an identity attack. It's not about the eating. It's not about the impressiveness. It's not about the influence of being a king. It's an identity attack. Create what you already are. Anxiety comes from trying to build what I already am because I'm valuing things that are telling me I'm not... What God is saying I am because I have idols in my life that speak a better word to me than God does, so it seems. But all they do, all those idols do is get you to make bricks without straw and there's no Sabbath. What does Elijah do at the end? Last verse. He tears his clothes. Everybody say tears. He tears his clothes. That's an interesting moment for the lectionary to stop because in the very next verse new clothes fall down from heaven that he gets to put on but first he had to tear what he was wearing a cloud overshadowed Peter everybody say overshadowed and Peter could not see anymore what was making him anxious he couldn't hear anymore what was making him anxious he had this moment in a cloud And in the cloud, God said, You're hearing too many things. Listen to Jesus only. And the cloud lifts, and it says, And all they saw was Jesus. The tearing of the clothes, the overshadowing by the cloud is Lent. It's a moment of disruption. That makes room for the very thing that we need, which is more of the presence of God. If our lives are not disrupted, we will not stop and tear our clothes. We will not be overshadowed by a cloud. Jesus himself needed to go to the wilderness before he began his ministry because he needed a disruption instantly. He needed a disruption instantly. He had to be out in the wilderness, hungry and tired, so that he could know that what God said about him in the Jordan, you are my beloved son, would be true when all the voices of the world say, if you're the son of God, dot, dot, dot. You see that connection? You better. We say it every year around this time. Here's the thing. Adam is the first person in the Bible to break a fast when he shouldn't have. He was told you can eat as much as you want from every tree of the garden. Go for it. But fast one tree. And they broke the fast. All of sin is encapsulated in In the analogy of food, the world is destroyed over a meal. It wasn't the eating of the fruit, and you ready? It wasn't that they got the knowledge of good and evil that upset God. God always wanted Adam and Eve, you've got to write this down, especially you 've been in the church for a long time. God wanted Adam and Eve to have the knowledge of good and evil. He wanted to teach it to them because you can't handle everything at once. You cannot take all truth everybody's I just want truth, I just want to pursue truth. We can't do that by ourselves because, as Solomon says, he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. I heard you all say that in your spirits. He who increases increases knowledge increases sorrow. Why? Because we can't handle all the knowledge at once. We open our phone and we see too many things happening without the tools to deal with what we're seeing happening. We know too much about Taylor Swift's plane. I'm trying to be a good dad, and I'm over here laughing about Taylor Swift's airplane. Is it in Tokyo or did she get to the Super Bowl? Is Kelsey going to get to the Super Bowl? What's get- Who cares? <clears throat> Adam decided to live on material alone. I can make of myself what I want through the material that God has put around me. And he ended up, instead of serving the creation, he ended up saying, creation, you're going to serve me. And it broke. And what broke? The way he saw himself. First thing to break. His eyes were open, and he saw himself, and he needed to hide. His eyes were open, and he saw his wife, and she needed to hide. And then God comes into the garden. This is important, everybody. Follow me here. God comes into the garden. Now, just... Why are Adam and Eve hiding? Because God is showing up, yes? Does everybody agree that Adam and Eve are hiding because God is showing up? Am I reading that wrong? Would they be hiding if God wasn't showing up? No. They hid because they heard the sound of God walking in the garden, yes? So they sinned, and then what did they hear? The sound of who? They sinned, and then they heard the sound of who? They sinned, and then who showed up? So sinned doesn't separate you from God. Nothing separates you from God. You can't do something so wrong that God won't show up the very next second to come and help you no matter what. And what is he upset about? He is not primarily upset that they ate the fruit. What is the first thing that he says? Adam, he's, his number one concern is not that they messed up. It's that they don't want to be near him. I would say you can go home, but I have more talking to do, so I will not let you just yet. But honestly, mom and dad, be those kinds of parents. More upset that your kids feel like they can't tell you something than about what they did. Can I have some parents with teenagers to affirm what I just said, please? Because if it's wrong, I need to know now. (laughs) He's more concerned with, I used to come into the garden every day and we would talk. Why are you hiding? That's what he's concerned about. He eventually gets to the fruit. But it's, Adam, where are you? Who t- why are you hiding? Who told you that you were naked? He c- he's concerned about how they are more than what they did. And our 40 days of Lent remind us, through disruption, through fasting, through, through tearing our garments, through not through depriving ourselves of something to eat, it reminds us of the fact that God does not come after you for what you've done wrong first. He comes after you to find out why you stopped going after him. Because he's compassionate. Somebody asked me recently, or step into some deep water for a second. Somebody asked me recently Is God conservative or is He liberal? Like, yo, we better get used to this now because we got this election coming, whether we like it or not. And I said, God is both conservative and liberal. And because he's both, he's neither what we consider to be conservative or liberal. God is conservative because he's conserving the original word that he ever spoke to us. A conservative, the, everybody say intention. (laughs) The intention of a conservative, not what it's become, but the intention of a conservative is to take the original thing and do our best to conserve the original thing and continually live from it. And the intention, everybody say intention... The intention of a liberal is to liberate us from being stuck in an archaic past and to expand. Those are the intentions. And God is both conservative and liberal. He's conservative because he called us good and he will ever conserve what he said because God is not a man that he should, and he's the same yesterday, today, and so if he called us good once, he's always calling us. But he's a liberal because he wants to liberate us from everything that would tell us otherwise. So the question is, can God make humanity great again? Yes, he can. Yes, he can. By reminding us that we are still good. Lent shuts the voices down that tell us that we are what we've done. That is Maybe the strongest idolatry in all of the Christian church is that we are what we do. If we do well, we're good. And if we do bad, we're bad. We are what the creator of the universe said we were. When he said, let there be light, there was. And when he said, you are very good, you are still. And our sin is not believing that about ourselves or about each other. So why do we fast during Lent? We fast because Adam broke a fast and turned the garden into a wilderness. And Jesus went into the wilderness and he began to fast. He began to refuse to eat what Adam bit right away. Jesus fasts. Why? Because Jesus is showing us in the garden, that man doesn't live by material alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. What Jesus threw back at Satan wasn't rocks like David or bread like Satan wanted him to do. What Jesus threw at Satan was the Word of God. Because what sustains Jesus is the Word of God. We fast, we fast during Lent not to get stronger in our spiritual disciplines. We don't fast to deprive ourselves because we're pathetic sinners and we deserve it. We fast to tear our algorithm open and disrupt our daily life to make room for the goodness of God to flow into our life and remind us That though he is angry for a moment, his love endures. And God, we're sorry that it has to endure, but it endures forever. And if we don't believe that, then we will treat other people based on what we believe. Why are we having a book study? Because I want to interrupt your life. Why is it not on Zoom? Because our life needs to be interrupted sometimes. We do stuff on Zoom too. I'm aware of what's going on in the world. But there are times where it's a pastor's job to be obedient, not smart. I'll get more people if we have Zoom, even though I won't see your faces. Because nobody turns them on anymore. But Jacqueline and I felt like the Holy Spirit said, put a demand on people to break the routine. We have child care. About 15 people said that they would be here for childcare, So there will, there will be child care for those nights. Well, you don't know my son. If he doesn't go to sleep at 7, here's what I know. Break the routine for 40 days. Not even 40 days. Break it six times during 40 days. I was a brat. My parents dragged me to church. I'm still a brat. But I'm a pastor brat now. (laughs) There's some trajectory there, I hope. Little step in the old right direction. It's not wise to do that all the time. But it is wise to do it sometimes. To break routine. To break a cycle to put yourself in an inconvenient position as a disruption that reminds you to tear the garments that you've been wearing to make room for new garments that want to fall from heaven for your life. Well, pastor, I work. Here's all I'm asking you to do. I've done, I did this, I've had this job for less than seven years. For the other 18, I'm getting asked to do all these things for the church and I'm I'm working. I'm Flying home, driving the speed limit. I'm flying home from Katona, from White Plains, from Armonk, from Bedford Hills. I'm in a Scrooge production. (laughs) I did. I played Fred. I killed that role, too, let me just tell you. I did did all these things. And you know what I would do? There would be times I couldn't make it because of work. But you know what I did every time? I asked my boss if I could go. They said, yes, I went. They said, no, I couldn't. But I said, you know what? I got vacation time. How about I don't use it all for myself or let me use it for myself differently. So I burnt some PTO to get to certain things. I asked the Lord to give me favor with my bosses. Help them see and sense something different in me, please, so that I could get to your house and participate for my life and for the life of those that I'll bless by being there. Let's not forget about this stuff. You'd be surprised. They might say no to your excursion in Boston and then say yes to Ash Wednesday. That's the Lord. If you can't go, link up with somebody who's going to be there and say, can we meet during the week so that you can deposit into my life what was deposited into yours? So to everybody who can be here on Wednesday nights, eat for two for you and for anybody else in this church who can't be there that's going to call on your life and hit the button on the water fountain and hope that something can come out for them. If you're here and you know that somebody you know in the church isn't going to be here, connect with them and say, let's read this book together and let's talk about it together. (laughs) Your amens are overwhelming on that. I can't even think straight. (laughs) I imagine this is how Patriots fans sounded in 07 at the end of the game. Just, I am never going to get home safe. I'm in a pickle from the minute this whole thing starts. Alexander Schmemann, one of my favorite last names of an author I read, says this. About Lent and about getting to church during Lent, he says no reference to conditions of life, lack of time, etc., are acceptable at this point. For if we only do that which which easily fits into the condition of our lives, the very notion of Lenten effort becomes meaningless. Not only in the 20th century, but in fact since Adam and Eve, this world was always an obstacle to fulfilling God's demands break the algorithm. Read the book. One chapter a day. Don't read ahead, you zealots. You ready? I'm going to get really in trouble. Don't read ahead and be greedy, and don't refuse to read and be slothful. This is the only place I can say stuff and not immediately get yelled at. So just let me, well, you know. You can't yell at me today because you lost your voice. But how did we lose our voice is the better question. jesus comes down the mountain with the disciples worship team you can come on up jesus comes down the mountain with the disciples and there is immediately an argument happening and there's a demon that the disciples can't get out of a person and what does jesus say this kind can only come out through prayer and there are just certain things that only fasting can create in us the space for there are demonic realities in all of our lives that our inability to fast is holding in place so here's what I'm saying. I don't know everybody's medical stuff. There, there, I'm going to say two very general things, and I'm going to ask that you ask the Holy Spirit what to do. But you have to fast during Lent because we have to tear our garments. Don't fast something that you're going to burn out on in 10 days. And don't fast something that you're not going to notice you fasted. And don't quit cigarettes during Lent quit cigarettes so you don't get cancer. It's not a time to eat better. I swear. (laughs) Let me me finish, let me finish. It's not time to eat better. It's not time to break addiction. It's not time to get rid of a delicacy that you only eat once every 100 days anyway. And don't be cute and be like, I'm going to fast, complaining. You won't, number one. Fast something substantial that you would go to every day, but that is palatable enough to get you through the 40 days. That's one thing. Fast some form of food. And two, I would challenge you hard on this one, but you do what you need to do. Get off of screen time after 6pm and before 6am. Between 6pm and 6am, shut off. And when I say screen time, I'm specifically talking about your phone. There's a difference between your phone and the TV. You could do the TV communally. They call it the movie theater. You can, you can, you can read lyrics up here and all, we can all be together, Yes. But there's something about seeing somebody walk into the room and you're like, hey, I haven't seen you all day. Like, it's annoying, except for when I'm doing it. There's a reason. I, I, I am so, I have the habit of like putting my phone down and being like, Jacqueline, why are you on your phone? I put mine down like 0. .5 seconds before she got in there. Oh, your mom. There's something to be said for the fact that like when we're watching a show and there's a slightly boring part that we actually go on our phone while we're watching a show. We just have to fill the space and it's like tear the garment, tear the garment. Your 150 followers will be okay. I don't want to see anybody on social media be like, hey everybody, I'm leaving social media before Lent starts. I just want you to know I'm gonna miss you all so much. No. You get one mil, you can do that. You get a million followers, tell them goodbye for a minute, you know what I'm saying? I just want you to know I'm gonna miss you so much, I'm gonna be off social media, everybody look at me, I'm fasting, like don't do it. Lent is harsh, but it's also the beginning of spring. How many need spring in your soul? How many need something to burst forth in your soul, to grow again, to come? Streams in the desert? Let's make the wilderness Eden again. Tear your garments, Salem. Let's stand to our feet this morning. The world was destroyed over a meal we should not have eaten. It says they took and they ate. And then at the end of the Bible, Jesus says, here's how we're going to put the world back together again. And he says, take and eat. The whole narrative of Scripture swings on two meals. The meal that came from the tree we shouldn't have been on and the meal that comes from the tree of life itself, the cross of Jesus, the bread of life. When you fast during Lent, you do not fast on Sundays. You fast for six days. And then on Sunday, listen to me very carefully, kids. On Sundays, you have... Everybody say some. Some of what you fasted the other six days. Don't get six days worth of what you fasted in on Sunday. Like if you smoke a pack a day, don't have six packs on Sunday. This is why you can't fast bad stuff. You fast something good that you will miss, that you're allowed to have. On Sunday, check in with your followers. I'm back. I just want you to know I love you. Have the slice of pizza in the name of Jesus. Because on Sunday, we celebrate the resurrection. We celebrate the return of Christ. And what does Jesus say? The bridegroom will not fast. They will not fast as long as the bridegroom is here. But when he's taken away, then they will fast. On Sunday... We always celebrate Easter. We celebrate the presence of Jesus. Sunday is a feast day no matter what season you're in. So you fast for six days, starting on Wednesday, this Wednesday. Celebrate on Sunday. And then fast for the next six days again. And that gets you right up to Easter Sunday. There will be 40 fasting days by the time you get to Sunday. That's why Lent starts on a Wednesday to make up for the four or five Sundays that you'll be eating. See? Light bulbs. But I want us to fast because it'd be good for you. I'm looking at all these individual people. It'd be great for you if your soul is open. But how great will it be for this room if all of our souls are open? And how great would it be for the community around us if as one body, our soul was open to the goodness of God and we changed and we realized he's a compassionate God and a loving God. How much would the Beacon, the Hudson Valley and the surrounding area change as we leave here better lovers than we were before Lent? Holy Spirit, I pray that you would descend on this meal behind me and make it for your people, the body and blood of Jesus, the food and drink of new and unending life in him. I pray that you would descend on us and make us for the world, the body of Christ. I pray that you would lead us into a proper use of fasting this Lent, that we would fast together, that we would read together, and that we would journey to Easter together, more open, more honest, and more ready for an outpouring of your love and your grace all over our life. Thank you that we are weeks away from one kind of spring naturally and another kind of spring spiritually, Father God. In your name, amen. The ushers will release you from the back to the front. Come and receive this morning.
0: Thanks for listening to the Salem Tabernacle Podcast. For more information about us, including gathering times and our location, check us out online at salemtabernacle.com.